Blog Talk Radio. This is the Change Book Radio Show, global insight and inspiration for life and business. We're brought to you by the fastest growing personal development book series in the world titled The Change. And I'm your host and voice, Stacey Carnaluti, transformational leader and coach, international best-selling author, and founder of High Powered Success Academy and StaceyC.com, The Power to Be. Welcome to The Change. Hello, friends. We are so excited to be with you today. We have an, a, a killer guest on, and um, she's kind of just making her move. She is ready to get out there in the world in a big way and, and kind of share her story. So we are so excited to hear from Brittany Griffin-Miller today. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is so cool. Where are you at right now? I am in sunny Sarasota, Florida. It's about 80 degrees outside today. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We're in SoCal yeah. over here and um, in Southern California. And I'd like to say it was sunny and warm, but I'm I'm really um, quite cold. My feet are freezing. <laughs> I've got them all bundled up under me right now. All right. I'm going to go ahead and brag on you a bit, and then we'll get going right into the Jesus okay. stuff. Brit. Brittany is a successful, and you know what? She's known as Sand Dollar Gypsy, and we will talk a little bit about that in a, in a bit. But here we go. She's a successful network marketing professional, a Reiki practitioner, aspiring writer, overcomer of narcissistic abuse, and single mommy to four beautiful children, all under the age of 10, and one of them has special needs. Brittany's life changed this year from an almost instant healing of undiagnosed medical issues that had plagued her for most of her life and relief from some serious behavioral issues that her son was suffering from. After a spiritual awakening that set her free from narcissistic abuse and some religious mindsets that were keeping her from the freedom and abundance that she deep down knew were hers. As a Reiki practitioner, she continues her own spiritual journey while guiding others and supporting them on their healing journey. Brittany's gypsy spirit has taken her all over the world, and this year she, it landed her um, heart on the white sand beaches of Sarasota, Florida. I'm so excited about that. Brittany is passionate about helping you navigate your journey to healing and find peace in your life. So welcome to the show again, Brittany. We're so very excited to have you. Thank you. Was that accurate? Did that sound about right? Yes. Did we cover everything? Okay. Great. I think so. Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I look at your story and I see, you know, four kind of major pieces to this. And one of them is um, a religious past. You know, you kind of grew up in a, in a religious kind of, and, and we don't all think that we're in these religious places, but um, when you come out of it, when you have a spiritual awakening that really sets you free, you're able to look back and go, wow there really were some limiting beliefs that were keeping me stuck in a lot of um, ways. And then you've got this narcissistic mm-hmm. abuse piece and you've got this leaving Egypt, you know, overcoming the fear of the old way and, and getting free from all of the, the stickiness of the past. And then you have this part of entering in to this promised land and that's where you are today. So we are going to have a juicy mm-hmm. conversation of all um, <laughs> on all four of these pieces. So why don't you um, start by sharing a little bit about why you even began to write your story? Okay. Well, um, first of all, I'm a big believer in helping make the world 
a better place. And if you can bring a little bit of heaven to earth, why wouldn't you want to do that? And, you know, Stacy mentioned that I have a special needs son. He's eight years old. And, um, you know, it was always a struggle um, ever since I had him just, you know, having a special needs child, it's like, it's just a completely different journey. I have three other children, but it's totally different with him. And then when I became a single parent, a single mom, I just used to question God, like, why, you know, why me? And and why did you think I could handle this when, you know, I had three other children as well, and I was going to be doing this by myself. But throughout his life, I've always prayed that you know, his life wouldn't be in vain. He was born with a really rare syndrome. And I just wanted, I've always felt like I need to be able to use it. I want to use it to help others. And I've been able to, I've been able to help other people who are parents with uh, children of the same syndrome. And so same goes for my story now. Um, I just, I don't want it to be just a life lesson for me. and just something that I went through and, and learned something from. I want to be able to share it and to help change other people's lives. And so I just pray that I'm able to to do that a little bit today. That's awesome. That's awesome. That really is why we're here, isn't it? To help walk each other home. And when we get out there and share, um, you know, these deep, dark places that we've struggled with, it's not easy as you're, as you're starting to see, you know, when you really go public with your story, it's, it, um, you have to overcome a lot of fear, but you have a lot, a lot to give. So I'm very excited that you're doing this. It's so cool. What do you want the readers to take away from your story? So I think there's a lot. And at the end, you'll probably um, be able to see it more. I just, um, I don't, there's so much that I want them to take away. You know, I, I want people to know that there's a way out of where you are right now. Um, that this isn't your lot in life and the cross you were meant to carry. And I just want people to know that there's, there's freedom, there's abundance, there's happiness, there's wholeness. Um, you know, I know that where I was a year ago today, I felt like this is where I'll always be. There's not an out. This is where, you know, my life wasn't intended to be happy. I wasn't made to live a happy life. And a year later like my life has completely taken a 180 and I just want people like to give people hope that that is so possible and that you don't have to be stuck where you are forever and and think that life is always going to be like that um I wrote my story last week I just I needed to write it all out you know because it had been in my head and in my heart for so long and at the very very end I said which you know, we're going to talk about in a minute my journey from Egypt to Canaan, um, from slave to free, from pain to suffering to abundant life, and I, how I started to connect to the Bible in a new and different way. And um, in the book of Exodus, the Lord, you know, literally tells Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may serve me. Um, and I just want people to know that you can free yourself from whatever is keeping you in bondage today so that you can serve God wholeheartedly by leaving your suffering mm-hmm. behind. So that's really the message I want to give today. Oh, chilling. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, you know, go back to that piece about your cross. So many Christians, I think, believe that the suffering that they are experiencing in their life is the cross that they're called yeah. to bear. And that's one of those limiting beliefs that really keeps a lot of people in that Egyptian slavery that you mentioned. So um, why don't you kind of correct that for us? What does that really mean? 
<laughs> to take up your cross. Yeah, so I know. I, I guess I always used to think that taking up your cross was, you know, being on Jesus and, and suffering for Jesus and, you know, going to death for Jesus, you know, whatever whatever situation life could put you in. You know, I've always heard people uh, and Christians say, well, you can choose joy no matter where you are. And I, that is true to an extent, but that doesn't mean that when you have a, a choice, to get yourself out of that, that, you know, that you stay in misery and just say, in the name of Christianity, I choose joy and I'm just going to suffer for Jesus. And, you know, something Stacy and I just talked about last week is that, you know, I, I believe like she does that every, every Christian on this earth has a mission and a purpose to fulfill. And it may look different 10 years from now than it does today, but I believe that as long as we are capable um, human beings on earth, Jesus is always going to have a different mission for us to fulfill while on earth. And so we were talking about how, you know, Christ picking up his cross and carrying his cross to death, that was his purpose on earth. That was his mission on earth. You know, that's not ours. And our job is to, you know, pick up our cross and deny everything that's not aligned with our purpose on earth and walk our mission on earth. And there's just, you know, what purpose is served by keeping yourself in misery and depression and anxiety um, when you, when you're able to do what Jesus came in and died for you to be able to do. Amen. Oh, that's so huge, you know, to realize that your cross is not suffering. It's what exactly what you said, laying down everything that does not align with your authentic contribution, with your purpose. The purpose for which you have been sent is different than the purpose for which Jesus was sent. So I, that's just such a freeing truth to um, yeah. just to ponder. You know, sometimes we have to stop and go, wait a minute, there's nothing noble about choosing this suffering in this moment. A lot of times it's an excuse for us not to rise up mm-hmm. and um, step out in faith. So I love that. It's so beautiful. Um, so mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about the narcissistic abuse that you found yourself in um, not that long ago. <laughs> what was yeah. life like with a narcissist? Uh, well, there's so much I could say. Um, I'll try to keep it somewhat brief. I was very young um, when I got married. So kind of the culture I grew up in was um, that young women just aspired to get married. Um, in fact, the, the Christian college I went to, it was a joke there that um, you went there to get your MRS degree. You know, <laughs> like that's why you were there to get married. So I didn't really have any goals and aspirations in life um, other than to get married. And, of course, I always wanted to be a mom. And so um, got married very young, didn't know him very long or very well, but he was um, in the military and wanted to get married, and so I did. Um, Things were okay enough, you know, before we got married. I never saw any signs of real – I mean, I could go back and, and pick out a little bit. Signs of narcissism, narcissist, narcissism. Uh, never saw any any signs of addiction. I mean, he he treated me well enough. Um, the day after we got married, it's like a light switched. I saw a completely different side of him, and he was a different person. Um, obviously, it was like I I got her don't need to try anymore, and now I can live less like I want to. <laughs> so we uh, instantly became roommates, not husband and wife, 
and that's how we lived for the next uh, nine years. Um, so it was, you know, people joke around about, oh, yeah, he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist. I think people don't really understand what it truly is. And so um, some characteristics of of narcissism, uh, people, the, the person is very, very selfish, very, very self-centered. Um, I remember everything in our relationship was about him, about what he wanted to do or didn't want to do. Um, and I just remember thinking, this is the most selfish person I've ever known in my entire life. Like, I don't, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I grew up in a home where we were very um, giving to one another, you know, it was very, uh, we served each other and we wanted to make each other happy. I grew up with parents who have now been married almost 40 years and I always had watched them, you know, do that for each other. And they gave a hundred percent to each other all the time. And they were always just there to serve each other. I thought, I thought that's what marriage was. I thought that's what everyone wanted. So I was really shocked um, to see that wasn't true. Um, there was also an addiction um, that I did not know about the year that we dated and were engaged. Um, that was introduced to me about 36 hours after our wedding um, is when I found out about his addiction. That was an extreme addiction. Um, there was absolutely no emotional connection to me or later down the road, any of our four children. Um, so it was just like living in a home where, I mean, he had no emotions about anything, you know, really nothing I said or did or, or if I cried and, you know, told him, I remember the night that we found out that, um, our fourth baby was a big surprise and I remember thinking goodness you know life is not good life is not happy our home life is not good our marriage we've never had a marriage um that's not good but this baby is a big surprise but you know he or she deserves to have to come into a happy home and I remember sitting down and having this long like hour-long conversation with him about um just how everything needed to change and I cried and I just poured out my heart about it and uh it was as if I had never said a single word he got up and kept living life like nothing had ever happened and so that's when I talk about the emotional disconnect you know with me that's how it was with his children there was never that father-child relationship um very much disconnected from them and and still is um there was a lot of persistent manipulation that especially came after we separated um to try to get me to stay in the relationship with him um you kind of just lose your own sense of identity when you're with a narcissist they kind of they're just able to 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 twist it and twist your thoughts about yourself and um so you just lose you just completely lose who you are there's a lot of lying involved um i'm a very trusting person and i didn't find out about a lot of the lies and i'm sure i'll never know all of them <laughs> until yeah. later um lots of lies um and you know always joking at my expense the home our home was just a very sad dark and broken ugly place i remember one time driving home and it was nothing in particular there hadn't been a fight or anything in particular i sat outside and just sat in my car and just cried and cried because I didn't want to go in my home. Um, that energy, just everything was so bad about it. So that's just um, that's a brief little taste of what yeah. it was like. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Um, you know, 
I think about what are the, you know, who would be vulnerable to, to, and, you know, finding themselves in a, in a situation like this or in a relationship like this. And you brought up some, one thing about losing your identity. Do you think that you mm-hmm. had a good sense of your identity when you entered into the relationship or can you see that maybe you were lacking that up front and that was a, a little door? What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. So okay. yeah, when you said lose identity, I, I guess I didn't really have much of one before then. Like I said, I was, really young, um, kind of flip-flopped, went back and forth on what I wanted to do in school because I just, I wasn't motivated one way or the other um, because I was just like, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm going to get married and I won't, you know, <laughs> I won't yeah. have to worry about a career. It was more of just like, what's your career path going to be than like, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What do you, what has God here? Uh, what does God have you here to do? That yeah. that was never, you know, I never even thought about that when I was that age. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, and I I um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I also had lived with um, a stomach condition my whole life. I had extreme anxiety, um, and so I just kind of yeah, I guess I was a little lost, not not knowing who I was. And then once I did. Um, marry him, my entire identity became his wife. And so that's all I knew myself as. um, And coming out of it, it was very, very difficult to find, really find who I was because I just, that was my whole identity was his wife and who he had created me to be as his wife. And um, so that was very difficult. Um, I will say I'm a very empathic person and I'm very, you know, sensitive to those. I do have that natural like healing, um, you know, healer inside of me that wants to help people. And so I've, I was just talking about this with my mom earlier. I've always been attracted to people, men in particular, who were hurt and wounded. And so I think that's something to be very aware of if you are, you know, single or young or dating or whatever, <laughs> like, um, yeah. that, like ask yourself, is that you, is that who you're normally attracted to? Um, because that's, that's not a good thing. And so that's you can easily be life. sucked into that when you're a very, yeah, empathic person. Mm-hmm. In fact, and that's also- who narcissists, if you... Mm-hmm. That Go ahead. you know, gr- growing up with the heart of God. I mean, you grew up mm-hmm. in a home where um, mm-hmm. it it was about you know God and worship unto God, and your heart mm-hmm. was very much moldable and sensitive to one another. And I think that this kind of a person can be really um, at risk. You know, like you said, if you're not yes. very aware, like my goodness, you know, I'm I'm attracting people that are wounded that need help. Well, that's that part of me, my heart that wants to help and that wants to give, but that's not the husband that we're necessarily, you know, we don't want to get ourselves in a situation where we're hoping to fix somebody. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or to heal. Mm-hmm. So anyways, there's a difference between pursuing a path of healing for yourself and helping to guide one another on a healing journey. But when you're talking about entering into a healthy um marriage that's a whole nother ball game so um, yeah, you've been able to sure. separate the two and that's what's so beautiful is now your um your healing journey and it, you know and helping others with theirs is kind of in the right place in your life so talk to us about um where you know how you got involved in reiki reiki i always do this reiki reiki, reiki yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so it was actually last year i had gone to see 
a uh, a therapist and um, not a traditional therapist, but she was helping me with some like alternative um, ways to help with my anxiety that was just kind of out of control at the time. And she's actually the one who uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, through her, I actually was able to physically see my brain waves on a computer, which was really mm-hmm. cool and kind of scary. <laughs> and yeah. it's called neurofeedback therapy, if anybody's interested. So I was getting this neurofeedback therapy to help. And she was like, she told me, like, your brain looks like the same brains of all my patients that have PTSD. So I would, I would definitely say you have a form of PTSD. So I was kind of shocked for the first few seconds um I always thought I mean I I had lived in a military world for a long time so I'd always thought of you know when I heard PTSD that it was like oh yeah people who had been on a battlefield and had been shot at and all that stuff I didn't really think about it in any other way and um but it made sense to me when I like really started thinking about it. I was like okay this that really does make sense well, she also was a Reiki practitioner, and she said, um, you know, if you ever want me to do some Reiki on, on you, I'm happy to. And I said, sure, like, yeah, it's fine. Anything that would help, I'm open to. And so the very first time that she um, that she did it with me was very powerful, um, very impactful. This is where, so at this time, which we'll get into later, I had just kind of completely left God for a little while, and this is where God was able to start speaking to me through through Reiki, and I was able to start seeing him and hearing him, and um, it was very, very powerful, and so when she did it with me the first time, um, I, I felt so many things. I saw so many things, and when I when I, you know, you don't really fall asleep, you're kind of in a different state of consciousness. So when you come back, um, she was talking to me and she started crying and she was like, I just feel it's so heavy. There's so much darkness or so much sadness. And um, I was like, yeah, how did you know that? <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's like, I felt everything. And she was crying. And as our sessions continued, she kept doing Reiki with me and it just was such a powerful thing for me um just a powerful experience a a wonderful healing experience and I I looked more into it and I just decided like I've got to learn this I've got to be able to to do this uh for myself because you can do it you know to yourself to continue my own healing and I want to be able to help others um and it's just a way I've always had this innate um you know, desire to help others. I was in the medical field for a long time and I'm like, this is how, this is how I can do it. And so, um, I looked into getting my certification and yeah, it went from there. So good that, you know, you Mm -hmm. mentioned, um, what led up to that and you had kind of made a decision, um, about God, right. You kind of felt like you, you needed to walk away from what you had, always known or what what you had grown up with talk a little bit about that that dark night of the soul or that lowest of the low (laughs) however you describe it yeah yeah um so I would say yes I always grew up in a Christian home with wonderful loving Christian parents and was always in church went to a, a Christian school but I I didn't the God that I always knew 
growing up was a very religious God, was a God in the Bible. Every time I would try to, quote, unquote, have a relationship with him or or try to continue, you know, looking back, it was like I was, you try to please God by doing your devotion and saying your prayers and going to church, you know, whenever the doors are open. And I, I felt like that was never sustaining, especially going through everything I had been through. It just, you couldn't ever sustain that relationship with God. And it was frustrating um, that I couldn't do what I was supposed to do as a good Christian. Also, you know, once it came, I had prayed our whole, I say marriage. It was never a marriage. It was a, you know, we were roommates and <laughs> marriage through the government, not not a covenant with God. Um, I had prayed that God would fix it. You know, like like I know that God desires for marriages to be good. I know that God hates divorce. I know he doesn't want my children to come from a broken home. So I know he's going to fix this. You know, I had read the books and I had heard people speaking about how God does miracles in your marriage. And um, I just, I knew that was what was going to happen for me if I just prayed hard enough and long enough. And, and I just felt like there was a wall between me and God. He's not listening to me. He's not hearing me. This doesn't make any sense because it doesn't make sense why he would want this to fall apart. It doesn't make sense why he would want me to be divorced or stay and be miserable. Um, I just, I got angry, you know, I got angry that this wasn't being fixed. And um, about a year after uh, my separation from my ex-husband, I found myself in a relationship with another guy who was also very, very wounded, um, who was an addict, um, who was not even close to a Christian, <laughs> very, very far away from that. There was a very, very dark side to him, but, you know, he was giving me the attention I had never gotten from a guy before, never gotten from my husband before. He was saying all the right things, and I fell very quickly, very hard. And I remember, you know, just thinking in order to be with this person, You know, there's nowhere that God belongs in this relationship. And God hasn't done anything for me. He didn't save my marriage. He didn't change my husband. He, you know, so I'm, I'm done with this. And Mm. that was literally, you know, how I felt like, why, why, why try anymore? Like why it just, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. So I kind of made that conscious decision that I was okay with that. I was okay with leaving God for a while. You know, this is such a huge, um, it was a huge healing moment in my journey as well. One of the names of God is El Roi, and that means, well, the meaning of that name in Hebrew is, I am the God who sees you, or the God who Mm -hmm. sees. And Mm -hmm. I remember feeling the same way, like you're ending up in one relationship after another where you're not being seen. And the reason I'm even bringing this up is because when you went to the Reiki, she saw you. She saw you so radically that she cried. That was very Mm -hmm. real um, 
a real thing that she was seeing. And it was that moment that opened you up to God again, really, even though you were, mm-hmm. you were encountering God in this other place. It wasn't in the church. It wasn't, it wasn't in the, the normal way that you had always experienced him in the past. It was in this very real, relevant, deep way. And I, I think that that's so important for us to recognize that, you know, to look at the characteristics of God, to, to study the names of God and understand that he can be anywhere and he does see. And when you're constantly feeling invisible in every relationship, there's a problem there. God is not present in that place of, you know, mm-hmm. I'm feeling invisible. <laughs> and you had to see yourself first. You know, I understand that that's very, very important. You had to open yourself up to being seen, you know. But um, mm-hmm. I love that. I just think that's so, so very powerful. And now you, having that gift, um, are able to help others see themselves as well, you know, confirm what they know about themselves is what really what you're doing. And then they're able to step into it in a more powerful way. So, um, Oh gosh. Talk about the, the, um, cycles of guilt and manipulation. So after you were separated, then you found yourself in these cycles of like, it was manipulation and the guilt and the manipulation, the guilt and the promises. And yeah. You, know, you said that you felt like a dirty rag is one of the ways that you used to describe. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's hard to explain totally when you haven't been through it yourself and you haven't experienced it. It's because one from the outside can look in and think, well, how are you allowing him to do that to you? That doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Um, but when you haven't, been in the a cycle of abuse for years and years and years, you can't really understand how that person's, you know, brain is wired to work, um, almost a submission, a submissive sort of thing, or how you're just, you're, it's like they program you to stick up for them, to feel bad for them, to, you know, make your, make yourself feel like it's always your fault. And mm-hmm. so um, it was just in kind of every situation. So after, you know, I made the decision to leave, my children and I left um, because he never, he was never going to. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I continued this. Uh, I gave him more time. I said, you know, I'll wait six months or whatever before I start the divorce process. And so if you would like to get into therapy, if you would like to, you know, whatever you want to do to try to make this marriage work and that's like literally nothing would be done at all. So my first step, okay, it's been six months and I am now going to go through with the process of divorce. And then it would come, he would come down really hard on me, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he would throw things at me. You're, I'm a bad, you're a bad person for wanting this. God hates divorce. God, God hates people who are divorced. You know, I will Mm -hmm. have no part in this. And it's funny to me now, even at the very end, he let the divorce go into default because he told me, I, my hands are clean of this. I want nothing to do with this. So this will not be my fault. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of manipulation and, and guilt. Um, if, uh, you know, it, it didn't matter that there was, um, you know, that he had had relationships outside of our marriage, um, you know, if I was ever interested in somebody else or talking to somebody else, oh man, the guilt that would be laid on me or every time I would start the divorce process, he would beg, I'll do anything. I'll do anything to to save this. I'll do anything to keep my family and nothing would be done. Not only would nothing be done, but you know, that was just a further to me, it was further making me feel 
worthless, a little more and a little more and a little more worthless. I wasn't worth the work that it was going to take. My ch- Our children weren't worth it. So it's like every time this cycle would go around and around, it would just push me a little further down, make me a little weaker, a little less able to stand up for myself. Um, so, I mean, it's, it yeah. is hard to describe. But, yeah, like I described to you, like I wrote in my story when I wrote it down, it just felt like, you know, one of those old, like your great-great-grandmother would have one of those old washing boards. I'm like, I don't know how else to describe it. I just felt like a dirty rag that was just being plunged in this hot water over and over and just beaten up and, and you just couldn't catch your breath. So that's, yeah. If I can describe it in a sentence, that's how I would describe it. Uh. And, you know, I want to share with the listeners, the reason why we're talking about this is because 158 million Americans suffer from narcissistic abuse. So this problem is, it's radical. It's just radical. And so we need to understand that it's totally not okay. And, and the root cause of it is that we don't value ourselves enough to even be recognized, you know, to even recognize the signs that uh, we're not being valued by others. And so, you know, Brittany is sharing, you know, those points when she realized, oh my gosh, this isn't okay, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so now you're getting, you know, your self-worth and, and your value isn't coming from external sources, <laughs> right? We don't put that mm-hmm. in the hands of a, a mere mortal man. Um, you are now valuing yourself and you are attracting totally different opportunities, experiences and people into your life. So let's go into that right now. Talk to us about the invitation that you got to the book study. <laughs> I love this. Part. Oh, okay. Okay. So this kind of picks up where I left off while ago with kind of making the conscious choice to, to leave God for a bit. Um, I guess that relationship ended September 2016. Um, and then over the next year or whatever, I just found myself. Um, and I think other women that I've talked to can relate when you come out of a situation like that, where you were never validated as a spouse. I mean, for, for a decade, you know, you were never, you never felt loved, cherished, protected, um, valued. You, you just, you're just left. And I, and I heard uh, a preacher not long ago talk about how and I don't have the statistics on this in front of me, but how um, people who are abused mentally, who are abused by being being neglected, can have uh, more long-term damaging effects than those who were abused physically. And mm-hmm. I was that was very eye-opening to me because you know I didn't have any bruises to prove my abuse, and so sometimes I felt like it, it was easy for me to say this didn't. This didn't really happen. It's not really as bad as I think or as I thought. Um, and even today, I still have the tendency to say, well, it's not as bad as some people had it. Um, and, you know, but it, it is very, very real. Um, so anyway, back to, you know, coming out of coming through that, that first relationship I was in where I was getting all the validation and all the words that I had always wanted to hear, even though it was a very, very toxic um relationship and and not a good place to be um after that was over I found myself just craving to hear that from men and so I had you know I had men it kind of seemed like coming out of the woodwork you know from (laughs) people I had known in the past from the military from people I had known my just past places I had lived and I just you know the more that I had guys talking to me or sending me flowers or whatever it just 
felt like all this validation that I had never had. And I dated a couple other guys um, last year. And the, the second one I dated was a raging narcissist. And I couldn't see it until, I mean, I only dated him about a month and a half, but I couldn't see it until that relationship was over. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like it, it scared me that I was, that I had gotten back into another relationship that with a narcissist. And I'm mm. like, I, I, I've got to step back. I've got to, I've got to say like, just stop, you know, everything with guys. I got to find myself. I got to figure out who I am, which was scary because I didn't want to cut off all the attention and all the words and all the validation. Like that's what was kind of keeping me going at the time. And I didn't want to lose that. And at the same time, I knew like, I, I, I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. You know, no guys, I'm not dating. I'm not talking to any guys. And I remember thinking I have got to somehow figure out this whole relationship with God thing because I, I don't I don't know how. I don't know um you know, one thing when I was doing one of my Reiki sessions, the the lady that was doing it with me, she wasn't a Christian, but she would sometimes talk to me after they were over and she would tell me whatever she heard or felt in the session. And one time she said, I'm not gonna remember it exactly, but um she's like, Your your higher power, your source, your angels or whatever are really came through to me and said they like really really want to connect with you and I knew what that meant (laughs) you know I knew what that meant um I knew it was God speaking through her to me even though she wasn't a Christian you know I Mm -hmm. I can speak through anybody um and I knew what it meant yet I was not at the place yet you know to be to be quite open to that but at the same time there was a stirring there like I knew I needed to find my way somehow back to God but I had no idea how and um so I at the end I would say December of last year January beginning of January this year was I don't know if you want to go into it yet my lowest of low were you ready for that yet yeah exactly okay yep okay so um that was the lowest, you know, and I had a couple of really, really low times before and um, throughout my marriage where I got, you know, very depressed and very sad about the situation. This was the lowest. Um, I remember thinking, you know, it just, my life, I, I even journaled about it. It's very sad. I found my old journal last week and, and read the entries that I wrote in December of last year, and it's heartbreaking, but I'm glad I wrote them down. And, um, you know, one of the things I had said was that, you know, life just doesn't get better for me. And it was the first time, the first New Year's Eve since I was probably a little kid that I hadn't stayed up to see um, the clock, you know, strike midnight because I just did not want to see a new year come in. And, um, and so, I, I mean, I, it was, yeah, we might, we, you might want to talk about this more later, but my mom, at some point, my mom had invited me, I don't remember if it was December, January, I really don't remember, um, to uh, Stacy's book study that was going to be starting, I think you started the first or second week of January. And mm-hmm. I never said yes to anything like that. I mean, she did Bible studies and she did classes and whatnot. And I just never went to them. I'm usually not a group person. I'm usually not a Bible study person. Um, and for whatever reason, I said yes. I don't know why. I don't remember how. In fact, my parents and I were talking about this not long ago, and they both were like, we have no idea why you agreed to go. 
I don't either. Like, I don't really remember. I don't, you know, but somehow I walked in that first study and, and I stayed and, and my life completely changed from there. And I don't know what else, I don't know how much you want me to expand on that, but yeah. (laughs) I just, I love the, the message, you know, that your practitioner gave you about how God wanted to connect with you I mean like when you think about how badly he pursues he he is in relentless pursuit of us and and we're not Mm -hmm. hearing and we're not seeing because of these experiences in our life we're not we're not experiencing that intimacy with God and so I feel like that's what happened is is he decided you know there there was just this appointment that you guys had at that study mm-hmm. and just knowing that you never say yes and that you said yes you know that i got to be um in the middle of that is just an honor it's so beautiful so the book study was on egypt to canaan i was launching the egypt to canaan book and um britney's mom had gotten a hold of it and started reading it and and she invited britney to that study so we were going through the book um live in a um you know, at my church, we were going through it. And Brittany was there every week, just about until God took her mm-hmm. to Florida. So that's cool. But um, <laughs> what, what a blessing. Oh, my gosh, to be able to be um, that connector and to have you, you know, hear a perspective that you hadn't heard before is, um, is just such a blessing, such a blessing. So anyways, you're in the study. Okay, so go ahead and tell uh-huh. us now you're getting excited about life again, right? So you connected with God. <laughs> um. Yeah, so another thing that I hadn't uh, mentioned was in another one of my energy healing sessions um, before your session had started, before your your class had started. Um, So I grew up in the religious environment I grew up in, um, that people don't get visions from God. That was kind of a woo-woo thing. (laughs) So it was really um, last last year about a year and a half ago that I started receiving visions from God and I, I believe that God speaks to people in many different ways and that he doesn't do that for everyone and but he started um, speaking to me through visions and so another one that I had I think it was about last December so it would have been right before our study started and right about this time I was thinking about all of these things like I've got to just you know not be talking to any more men I've got to find my way back to God I don't know how um, God came came to me in a vision during one of these sessions and I remember seeing um well I saw an angel and she she was kind of a grandmotherly type and she walked me up these stairs and and God was there and he just told me that he needed my heart for a little while and I remember just you know crying but it hurt so bad you know and he said I know because it's been broken and I need to keep it for a little while and he it's like he physically took my heart out of my chest and it it physically hurt so bad, like it really uh, did, you know. And it wow. was so powerful because I hadn't really come back to God yet at this time, but yet He was speaking so loudly to me through these visions. So that was just really really cool experience. Um, so yeah, so I started coming to the studies, and I I I mean I'm not going to remember a lot of specifics about the beginning. I think I was just kind of. I sat there on the verge of tears or in tears every single class. Everything mm. I was hearing was just so different from what I had always heard before, the freedom that I was learning um, and the way I was learning God. It was like a different God was being presented to me. Like I never have known this God before and I have never 
experienced him this way before. And, yeah, I did. I think I it was so many emotions. I was sad that I had never experienced this before. I was elated that now I was learning. I was questioning, like, is, what, is this right? You know, is this for real? And then um, at the same time, going to, to my church that we were going to at the time in California, um, man, just like every single lesson was just this, it was just this freedom and this grace that I had never known before. And all of my, all of my pain, it was just being able to be, you know, taken by God. And I just, it was, it was just becoming such an, an awesome, an awesome experience to learn God in a completely new way. Like, yeah. (laughs) Oh man. The hardest part about this radio show is for me not to be engaged with you. Like while you're sharing all this, I want to go, ah, you know, I want (laughs) to scream with you. I have to keep myself quiet. Um, but you're so right, you know, and, and we continue generation after generation. I feel like the revelation of God just continues to just be poured out upon the earth. And if we're not open to people's experiences with God, then we're missing out on so much. And so um, bravo, you know, for the opening. And I feel like that's what we are here for is to be that door, to be that new, that newness, that freshness, that revel, uh, relevance. You know, making God mm-hmm. relevant to each um, generation is, is just a totally different ball game, And religion will keep us from that in very yeah. powerful ways. So mm-hmm. praise God, you have this new thing to share with your kids now. It's so awesome. Yes, I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. So cool. All right. So <laughs> now you're in Florida. So why don't you tell us how you got yeah. to Florida real quick? Oh, well, you know, we, we could sit here all day and talk about that. <laughs> um, I'll try to try to keep it brief. So, um, you know, I was what I thought was happy in California. I was miserable. <laughs> I thought, you know, I never wanted to, to leave California. Had been there for seven years. Was still experiencing a very, you know, toxic space with my ex-husband who lived in the same neighborhood that we did. Um you know, it wasn't a great situation for my children. And I just wasn't, you know, I really truly wasn't happy, um, even though, you know, and I was learning this new, this new freedom in my life. And um, so my, my mom happened to mention one day, like, you know, we needed to move. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then it just seemed so quickly from like November to January of this year. And my parents are talking about, yeah, we need to move. So where do you want to move? Like, um, you choose, we'll go wherever you go. And my initial reaction to all of this was anger and sadness. Um, I was, I felt like any little tiny bit of control I had left in my life was being taken away from me that I had no say in this. It felt like being a child again, you know, like this is what my parents want me to do. And, um, so I was angry, um, but trying to, you know, trying to search out places that we would want to live. And I just kept coming up against, you know, well, this isn't going to work and that's not going to work. And it, it, it became such a burden that I, w- I took upon myself. Like I need to figure out where my parents are going to be happy, where my kids are going to be happy, where they can go to school, where my special needs son is going to have everything he needs, doctors and school and everything else. And it just became so overwhelming to me. Um, and that's kind of really where this new God that I, you know, was, was learning about, was getting to know really, you know, came through and showed himself in a big way to me. And, um, 
So I, he took me through a series of events to Pensacola, Florida, where I have some good friends I hadn't seen in years, and, and they really talked the place up. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is going to be it. And I did a lot of researching schools and I lined up appointments to go tour schools and um, was there for a couple of days, and I hated it. <laughs> I hated everything about it except for being there with my friends. And I thought, God, what are you doing? Um, I thought this was going to be, you know, our new home. Why am I feeling like this? And I remember, you know, going back to California and talking to my parents about it and thinking, well, but, you know, it's good enough. There's a school there for my kids. There's a place to live. It's close to the beach, which I wanted to be close to the beach. It's good enough. But I just remember I just had this such an unsettling feeling in my spirit like this is not right you know it doesn't feel right um and I actually came to one of your classes one day and I got up in the middle of it to go to the bathroom and I just my my soul was just in turmoil over this and I prayed on the way to the bathroom like god you're just gonna have to speak to me and show me what you want I I don't understand this what do you want and I remember you know just kind of hearing him in my head say um you get to choose this time. So I had been a military wife for a long time where, I mean, we lived in another country. We lived all over the country. You know, I never got any kind of a say. I just went where we were told to go. And so it was kind of very powerful for me when I heard God say, like, you get to choose and, you know, don't settle. Like I heard him say, don't settle. And I'm like, well, what is that supposed to be? And um, I don't know how much detail, you know my story. I don't know how much detail you want me to go into. Yeah, well, but, let's um, fast forward. Let's fast forward a okay. little bit. I love okay. the piece about, you know, that was very clear direction. Don't settle, don't settle. And you were trying to make yes. the transition, you know, to this new place of like, I get to have what I want. Like, that's important mm-hmm. to God that I follow the deep desire of my heart and how uncomfortable that was for you. You know, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not a comfortable place to be. But eventually you ended up there. And I'm going to fast forward this because yes. I want you to get into the next healing part. But um, you ended up in this dreamy location with everything um, beyond your wildest imagination. You know, it's just amazing. And I love the story. She got to pick out a car and, and, you know, of course she settled for the car. And then all of a sudden got that little voice in her heart again that said, get what you really want, you know. And so she's her dream car now. But um, I just love all of that. So you're in Florida. And so now tell us about the... um, radical kind of almost instant healing you have experienced recently. So talk about that a little bit and then the new relationship that you're in as well. We'll kind of, we'll kind of end with those two things. Go ahead. Okay. So, you know, lots of things led up to to getting us here and it was just kind of one miracle after the next. And then since Mm -hmm. we've been here, we've moved here five months ago. It's just been like one, I don't know, like just, validation after the next that you know we're in the right place and god has just done some really cool amazing things since we've been here um being almost instantly i would say within a month after we got here i stepping away from the situation so even though me and my ex-husband had been separated three years we were still in very close proximity and he still was very much able to have this sort of manipulative control over me and um and I, you know, it's like all of that completely went away once we got here. And um, I was able to step out of my situation and look 
backwards and just be like, whoa, like my eyes were open to all of this that I hadn't seen before. And I, it kind of just shocked me. And at the same time, made me so grateful. And it was then that I really understood why we had to move. Um, and I've thanked my parents since then. Thank you so much for making me leave California. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, well, you know, I want to stop you right there. That is okay. such a huge point because we are too close <sighs> to our life to be able to see it. Yes. And when somebody mm-hmm. makes a step outside of it, we can see mm-hmm. clearly what's going on in our business, in our, you know, with our heart, with our emotional well-being, with everything. And so that was, that was incredible wisdom on behalf of your parents. So, yeah. Bravo. And, and, yeah. you know, looking back at that too, I was literally fighting for my right to stay in a miserable place. And how crazy uh, is that, you know? Talk about that, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I talked to you about that, like that is signs of being having been in an abu- abusive relationship. Um, but it's just so crazy to me looking back. I mean, I was just digging my heels into the dirt of California, like, I am not going to move. You're not going to move me. You know, I was angry about having to leave. And look what was waiting for me on the other side. Like, it's so crazy, too. I got the opportunity to fly back to California three, three months after we left. And I got to drive back through my town that I lived in for many years. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember it being so ugly here. Um, no offense to you or anyone that lives there, but to me, and it was something that I think God just really like needed to take me back to show me like there was absolutely no connection left for me there. I, I saw, I thought it was a very like ugly, dirty place. And it's kind it was kind of a cool experience. And I had, I was so filled to get to come back to my home here in Sarasota and be like, Oh, like this is home. This is my home. So that was, and I'm glad that God gave me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I Um, want to pose that question to our listeners because that's so huge. You know, God said to you, if you can just give me your heart, right. You gave him your heart and you said it was painful. It hurts. But what is God asking you for? You know, what is it? This little tiny thing that we give him, he's going to multiply it and turn it into such incredible life you know but we insist we insist on holding on to what's familiar and this is what brings us back mm-hmm. to that Egypt Canaan book we insist on, yeah. on going back to what's familiar and we live in such compromise because we're not willing to take a risk and and step out into a, a new life that we're not familiar with and so once we're willing to use our faith that's what faith is for right faith is is mm-hmm. for that purpose to take us to a place we've never been before and you said okay I mean your parent with your parents help <laughs> we're gonna push yeah yeah it took a little bit up. of uh, me kicking and screaming <laughs> yeah but, yeah, yeah. But it's sometimes so it, it takes that yeah. sometimes it takes people Absolutely. you know pushing you or pulling you to to get you out of where you are because otherwise yeah. yeah it's just yeah so being able to be here for you know just at three or four weeks and being able to see look back and be like, Oh my gosh, like I see things so much clearer now was amazing was sad. I was sad that I had let myself stay in that place for so long, but I was so relieved and grateful to have been taken out of it and and be living in this little piece of paradise here. So 
Yeah. You know, there's always that peace, that grieving that comes from mm-hmm. letting go of what we've always known, even if what we've oh, always yeah. known has been abuse, even even if it has mm-hmm. been hell. You know, we create a lot of hell for ourselves on earth and, and we have to even grieve the loss of that, even the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is, there's an emotional um, kind of just up upheaval that goes on during all of it, but, but mm-hmm. we got to be willing. So you felt your way yeah. through it. Okay, so they're going to cut us off in five minutes. So in five minutes, talk to us about CBD. (laughs) So you found this amazing company. Oh, tell us about that. You had suffered for your lifetime. And you talked about that earlier, the the stomach issues and the anxiety and the PTSD. So what happened? Yeah, so I've had stomach issues undiagnosed since I was a little girl. I went through a lot of testing when I was a teenager. I went through recent testing again just this past winter, and they found nothing, just extensive testing because I was just so fed up with living with it. And uh, basically, I just lived where I just I had just nausea all the time or never knew when it was going to flare up. And, you know, no amount of supplements or anything I had tried, any elimination diets, anything, um, ever worked. And so I found this company, actually, Stacy introduced me and I thought, well, you know, I'll try something else. Um, and I tried, uh, the CBD drops and the first day I was nausea free and the second day and third day and fourth day. And I was like, okay, this, this, what is going on? And I'll fast forward a little bit. I've been on, I've been taking it for about three months now. I recently went to a doctor who I had to um, be on it like a wait list for a few months to see. And I got, and I'm like, well, my stomach is fine now, but I'm going to go anyway. So I told her about it. And I was like, you know, I thought I'd come see you anyway, but I'm fine. And I was kind of hesitant to tell her that I was taking CBD. And she said, well, it just sounds like maybe your endocannabinoid system was very, very depleted. And now that you've replenished it, you're fine. And so that's, that's it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. So um, if you don't know what an endocannabinoid system is, you need to go look it up. It's, it's amazing. I didn't even know it existed. And so it's helped me and, and my son, who had some behavior issues, uh, helped him tremendously. Um, so we are so thankful. I can, I can honestly say I'll never go a day in my life without taking it. So. It's just yeah. amazing. It's amazing that there's yeah. been a system in the body that can even get depleted that's causing all kinds of havoc in, in you know, the health of Americans. So um mm-hmm. so happy that that it worked for Thank you. Thank you. you yes. Amazing. Yeah. So I just and want to tell then, everybody about it now. <laughs> yeah, totally. So um, Brittany is building a killer empire out there, um, building a great business. So you can reach out to her at sanddollargypsy at yahoo.com. You know, to talk about so much. I mean, you have so much to offer and and so much help. You really do. So with the narcissistic abuse, with the Reiki, with the CBD, with um, special needs, you know, there's just so much in you and such a heart to um, be there for others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, there, we could, thank we you could so talk much. for another hour. But. <laughs> we could. Yeah, we could. Well, I hope I've been able to help somebody today. So I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that your main message is, you know, Christ suffered so that we wouldn't have to pretty much is the bottom line of her story. And I, I just yeah. want to encourage the listeners 
with that as well. You know, your cross is your purpose here on this earth. And it's so authentic and so real and so relevant to the people that you're here to serve. So that's what Brittany's doing these days. So reach out to her. And if you are ready to live a higher, better Fuller life of rich fulfillment. Get out there and share your story. You can reach out to me at Stacy at StacyC.com. So until next time, we both say goodbye to you and don't forget to be the change you're hoping to see in the world. Until next time, peace out. Bye bye. <laughs>